Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. Pure Dog Talk is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for pets. With over 1 billion, with a B, in claims paid, Trupanion has you covered. Whether you're a dedicated breeder, a loving owner, or both. Trupanion is also the first pet insurance provider to offer a special breeding rider that you can add to your coverage. That way, you know your dogs are covered from common health concerns associated with breeding and whelping. Like emergency C-sections, for example. Learn more about all of the perks that Trupanion offers breeders by following the link on my partner page at puredogtalk.com. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and I'm very excited to have a couple guests today to talk about one of our rare breeds, always a topic that listeners just really enjoy. And today we're going to talk about Korean Jindo. And I have Hannah Yee who shows Korean Jindo in Junior Showmanship. They are an FSS-recognized breed with AKC. And I have Nicole Royer, who is a Jindo breeder and has been involved with the breed for almost a quarter century. So I'm very excited, ladies. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for inviting us. (laughs) Thank you. And Hannah, I have to say, I need to give you a public shout out. This was your idea. I saw your request for people to know more about your breed on social media. And I said, hey, Let's do that. (laughs) So good job. Well done. So Nicole, I'm going to start with you for right now. Tell everybody Korean Jindo is a breed. Tell us all about it. Basic history. Okay. Korean Jindo is an Asian spritz breed. They originated on Jindo Island, which is a small island off the coast of South Korea. And they essentially are an offshoot population of the village dogs that have existed in Korea for thousands of years. And isolated on Jindo Island, they were developed as a pretty hardcore hunting and guard dog. They are generally used for hunting small game, but they also hunt deer and even wild boar in small groups. They're not a breed that developed hunting along with their owners. They actually expected Jindos to go out and catch small game on their own and bring it home. Wow. And that's a very important part. Hi, Amy. I wish you guys in listener land could see the Jindo face that I'm looking at right now. It's so cute. (laughs) It's awesome. It's the best part of my job. So I love the concept that this is such an independent breed that they not only were hunting, but they were bringing it back for you. They didn't eat it. They brought it back to the hunter. Yes, exactly. And when they chased down something like a deer, and I should add that the deer and the wild boar on Jindo Island are not the size of the deer and wild boar we have here in the U.S. Right. The deer are a much smaller deer. They actually have tusks. They're really cute, actually. Oh, my gosh. But a small group of Jindos would chase them down, and then a couple of the Jindos would stay there to guard the deer while one or two dogs went to find the owner. That is amazing. 
Yeah. So they're a different breed. We say they're a hunting breed, but they are not a hunting breed that works with their owner. They're a hunting breed designed to go out, be able to think for themselves, be able to make their own decisions. And they take their owner's wishes under advisement, um, but they really are not designed to go around saying, what can I do for you? Right. It's a partnership rather than being what the dog can do for their owner. I love that. Okay. Hannah, I would like to bring you into the conversation. You made such an interesting comment to me about what Jindo are for you culturally. So share that with us. Well, Basically, Jindos are a national monument of Korea, so they're a very important piece of the culture. And growing up, they were kind of the poster child of Korea in terms of dogs. So I've always grown up, you know, Jindos, they're the Korean dogs. So I visited Korea a couple of times as a child, and in the neighborhood, in a bit of the rural parts, you would see them outside and stuff. And I was always pointing them out, hey, that's a Jindo dog. They've always been a really independent spirit, even though I didn't know much about them as a kid. I just knew that, you know, (laughs) like culturally ingrained in your knowledge. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And you said there's a story about them. I want you to tell us your story. So there was this dog named Pekku and it was a white Jindo dog and it lived with its elderly owner in a city. But one day the owner had to sell the dog. So it was like really far away. And then seven months later, the dog appeared back to the owner's house. It found its way home. So that just really stuck to a lot of people. And there were a lot of like children's books and merch made about that. And it was just really interesting to me. I've just always known that story. And, you know, I've always been really interested in animals. So I just love that. Perfect. (laughs) And so how did you acquire Agendo to show in junior showmanship? Not your easy junior's breed, right? (laughs) Yeah. Actually, my parents aren't super like on board with having a dog of my own right now, (laughs) unfortunately. So I am currently co-owning Agendo to show in juniors. And it was like a miracle. You know, I never thought there'd be a Jindo in Georgia. (laughs) And then I found out and I was like, oh my God, I need to meet her. And, you know, that's how it happened. That is fabulous. I love that story. (laughs) Okay. So Nicole, bring us back to Jindo in the U.S. You said you rescued your first one 23 years ago. I think I probably at some level know that there is such a thing as a Jindo in the back of my head, but I've never actually seen one live. So how did they get here to the U.S.? And let's talk a little bit about that. Jindos have actually been in the U.S. for decades. U.S. servicemen brought them back. It's one of those breeds that once you go Jindo, there's no going back for many people. So U.S. servicemen brought them over. Korean-Americans brought them over. They were not recognized. They were not registered. At that point in time, they weren't registered really in Korea even. But over time, there have actually been several Jindo clubs started in the U.S. that were primarily run by Korean Americans. Mm -hmm. And 20 years ago, there was a very established club here in Los Angeles that were bringing in very high quality Jindos. Again, at the time, they were not AKC, FSS. The club kind of did their own thing. The club brought judges over from Korea every year to judge their dogs. They had some beautiful dogs that they brought over. 
And there just was a viable population of Jindos being bred here in the U.S. I stumbled into my first Jindo, literally, I'd planned on owning Malamutes. I also have Alaskan Malamutes and breed them and work them. But I just bought my own house on a big piece of property, single woman living alone, had somebody try to come on the property. Malamutes are the world's worst guard dogs. They are. They're terrible. Yeah. And I realized I needed something that would at least bark if somebody came on the property. I was looking for a nice mixed breed dog that was spitzy looking that would fit that category. And I was at a rescue event at our big pet expo and saw this dog from across the room. My first thought was Akita Shiba mix, Akita Siberian mix. Right. And I walked over and asked the gal from the Pasadena Humane Society, tell me about that dog. And she turned around and said, well, this is a Korean Jindo. And I had that same moment where I went, I thought I knew something about dogs and I have never heard of this breed. Mm-hmm. It led me down a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> it happens to the best of us, honey. It's okay. <laughs> well, I went home with that dog that day. And that, of course, is before we all could pull out our phones and do a quick search on what we were coming home with. Um, it is not the way I recommend getting a dog. It really is. Definitely not a gendo, I'm thinking. But the dog ticked off all of the boxes. And Akita was more guard dog than I wanted. And I also own Malamutes and having a large number of that size of dogs that are tend to be same-sex dog aggressive within your household just becomes problematical. Mm-hmm. Akitas were more than I wanted. Shibas were not my thing. Jindos fit this beautiful somewhere in the middle, the same kind of independence as my Malamutes, the same kind of intelligence and thinking for themselves, but a more serious side and actual dog that would protect me if somebody ever bothered me and they would mm-hmm. and yet not a dog that approached life with any aggressiveness or any desire to look for trouble a lot of the japanese breeds will step forward and go is there something i need to take care of right agenda will step back and go hmm let me think about this situation do i need to handle something let me check in with my owner and see if they think i need to handle something They are guard dogs, but they are intelligent guard dogs that are not looking for that excuse. Mm -hmm. They will act if they have to. They're not looking to want to act. And it just fit in with everything that I would be looking for in a dog, which is why I took that rescue dog home 23 years ago. And through her, I met Ann Kim, who had one of the only websites on Jindos in English at that point in time. And through her, I went to my first Jindo show. Now, keep in mind, I was showing Malamutes already. So I did have a dog background that was not a rescue background. And the Jindo shows, I was able to meet judges, ask questions. It was fascinating. It was a step into a new culture that I knew nothing about, which was part of the fascination. I met wonderful people who were very willing to share their knowledge. And I actually rescued Jindos for many years, had like 25 of them come through my household. And at that time, because there was a viable population of purebred Jindos being bred in this country, unfortunately, there were Jindos showing up in shelters needing to be rescued. Mm -hmm. That situation has changed in recent years. 
the existing clubs that were here no longer exist. Most of the individuals that were breeding are no longer breeding. None of that original pool of dogs were ever registered. So they were kind of lost to the breed. Oh, wow. Which is very unfortunate because yeah. they were beautiful dogs. I do still have one rescue Jindo. I will have had her 15 years as of September. And she was at least three when I got her. Oh, my gosh. So when we do these Love the Breeds episodes, we talk a lot about who's going to be a good owner, who's not going to be a good owner, what's the lifespan. So you're telling me you have a dog that's probably coming 18. She's probably coming 18. Wow. 14 or 15 is probably the norm for the breed. A 10-year-old Jindo is a middle-aged Jindo. Wow. And so clearly very healthy. You don't see a lot of health problems with the breed? We do not see a lot of health problems. We do see the occasional case of hypothyroidism. Probably one of the most problematic things in the breed is we see discoid lupus in the white jindos now and then. Mm -hmm. And it's not something we can test for. And unfortunately, folks in Korea have not been real good about tracking health issues. In recent years, there have been a few people that have stepped into starting to do some health testing, but there's no real history. So when we're importing dogs, we're importing dogs kind of with no health background on them. Right. And that's just the nature of the breed. That's starting from scratch. Okay. But we're finding no real hip issues, a little bit of hypothyroidism here and there, discoid lupus. There have been kind of random cases, not in the dogs we've imported, but we know of a couple cases of cataracts. Generally, it's been older dogs. So is it old dog cataracts? Is it something genetic? There's no way to know at this point. Mm -hmm. We also have seen some patellas that are grade one patellas. That's something that needs to be checked in breeding dogs. But by and large, very, very healthy breed. And we are DNA testing all of our dogs. And coming out of Korea, we're finding coefficients of inbreeding of zero and one percent. Okay. So we're, cool. see, we're starting with an awesome population of dogs that have not been bred with kind of the Western theory of let's line breed and inbreed. Mm-hmm. In Korea, they generally do not line breed and inbreed. Interesting. And it's a very, very healthy base population of dogs. Interesting. Very cool. Okay. So Hannah, talk to me a little bit. You're showing a Jindo in junior showmanship where a little bit of flash and a little bit of pizzazz is kind of part of the deal. And so how successful have you been? How has it been for you? How have you found the breed as a junior showmanship prospect? Well, actually my first show will be. Okay. So you haven't actually had a chance (laughs) to try yet. Okay. (laughs) No, but I have been going to classes with the bitch and she's been really good. (laughs) She's such a lovely girl. And as like a very new person to the breed, I don't have any background in the dog fancy. You know, (laughs) my mother was not very fond of dogs. So we just have like a little like toy breed, you know, but it's been like a different experience, I think, because they're a very independent breed. They get very, very attached to their owners. So it was a little bit hard for her to adjust being handled by me, but I tried. So, you know, it's working out. (laughs) But something I did notice that I am in contact with someone in our local kennel club. And I was telling her that I am co-owning this Jindo to show with. And she was like, um, you know, the judges, they're probably going to think it's some kind of mutt or something. So she wasn't sure about it. But 
you know, I love them too much, so I can't give them up. But, you know, I will tell you that the judges as a junior showmanship judge, the judges have the names of the breeds listed in their list. So they'll know it's not a mutt. (laughs) (laughs) And hopefully the good junior showmanship judges will actually look up and find out more information about the breed. So that's very important. Yeah. And I think is a wonderful way to help publicize the breed, in my opinion. So I guess I would want to talk a little bit more about, again, I spent a lot of time, a lot of time with Akitas, very familiar with the Akita breed. I own a Shiba Inu. I have some sense of the primitive Asian breeds. How are they, and Nicole or Hannah, either one of you, in an environment where you have lots of people and lots of dogs, and how do they handle that? Is there dog aggression, human aggression? Where are you on those levels? Jindos tend to be a one-person or one-family dog. They should never be aggressive without good reason, but they also generally are not going to be like my Malamutes who will jump into everybody's lap and everybody's their new best friend. Mm -hmm. They range from being very reserved, you know, I don't know you, so I don't really want you touching me, Mm -hmm. to being calmly friendly, very polite. Okay, my owner says that you need to pet me, so it's okay for you to pet me. And you seem like a nice person, so nice to meet you, but I'll go stand over here now. Mm -hmm. This is not the breed that is going to be the most outgoing breed in the world with people. They are a little bit of a challenge to show. They range from, okay, sure, I'll stand here and let the judge touch me, to sometimes we have dogs that at maturity go, I don't want to do this. And once your Jindo is saying, I don't want to do this, I don't know that person, I haven't been introduced to them, I don't want them touching me. Once you have a dog that's doing that, the dog has made it very clear, this is not a game they want to play. Interesting. We take those dogs lower coursing. (laughs) I have a dog that is two points from his certificate of merit, and he's never going to get it. And you just saw him a minute ago. Oh my gosh. And it's a little bit heartbreaking, but when he hit maturity, He just went, I don't want to do this. And so have you found, here we're going to give Hannah some advice. Have you found that early socialization or any of those types of exercises that we do with more, I'm going to use the term domesticated. I know that's not correct, but you understand what I'm saying. The more run-of-the-mill dog, if you do those things with agenda early enough, does it get them through that period when they hit adulthood or no? Well, the dog I'm talking about was raised in my household, born in my household, and socialized from day one. Yes, it does make a huge difference because an unsocialized Jindo is a whole different dog than a Jindo that has been socialized and brought up, exposed to many things. Mm -hmm. This breed can go to fearfulness a little too easily. Okay. They must be socialized. There is no room for error there. That said... This breed is supposed to be reserved with strangers. Mm -hmm. If you have one of the dogs that decides, I don't want a stranger touching me. And that same dog, again, he's the one that was in my lap just a minute ago. In a public setting where he has the opportunity to meet a stranger, he will happily go up to them wagging his tail. He wants to be loved on. He does not like the stressfulness and the lack of introduction that he gets and the lack of choice that he gets in the show ring. Mm-hmm. And so he's not a dog to show as an adult dog. Still a little heartbreaking on my part. Right. right. <laughs> but that said, his sister enjoys being showed, so we show her. Okay. It's one of the things that you just face with this breed. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast. 
in a minute. Hey crew, are you looking for the gold standard in canine DNA testing for your breed? Join the winning team at Embark and manage your dog's health, optimize your breeding program, and improve your litter's bloodlines. As the highest rated dog DNA test on the market, they have a lot in common with Westminster's most legendary champions. Plus, they know your breed like the back of their paw. Select ideal breeding pairs to support healthy pedigrees and lifelong care. Find out why thousands of breeders have trusted Embark to help manage their breeding program from improving genetic health and diversity to screening for disease mutations, understanding traits, and more. To save on the most accurate, most comprehensive canine DNA test, visit EmbarkVet.com and use code PUREDOGDOG to enjoy $20 off each kit in your order. That's EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders and use code PUREDOGDOG. Their world-class scientists and veterinary geneticists are standing by. So talk to me about when we're introducing new breeds to people, I really like to set good expectations. Who would be a really great owner for a Jindo? What kind of home are you looking for for Jindo puppies? And who are you going to say, this really isn't the one for you? And I'd like to hear from both of you guys, because Hannah, you're new to it. So I want to hear your perspective after we hear from Nicole. Well, before we go there, I need to talk about how they are with other dogs. Oh, yes. Because that's a very important piece of it. Okay. Same-sex dog aggression is absolutely the norm in this breed. This breed in public should not be aggressive towards other dogs without good reason. However, a strange dog getting in their personal space absolutely is good reason. Mm -hmm. They do not tolerate fools lightly, and they do not tolerate rude behavior from other dogs. And if that other dog is not somebody they know, and gets in their personal space, they will teach that other dog a lesson that they will never forget. Jindos never pull their punches. If they choose to use their teeth, they intend to do damage, and they will take down a dog twice their size, and I'm saying that as a Malamute owner. Mm -hmm. They tend to be a very intense breed once they go there. It's one reason why they're incredible hunting dogs, and they will take down things like deer and boar, because once they go there, they mean business. So they're not a breed to be taken lightly with other dogs. That said, they should not be aggressive without good reason towards other dogs. We show them all the time. We take them to dog classes all the time. This is not a breed to take to the dog park. Oh, it really is not a breed to take to the dog park. Partially because they generally are fine until that day they hit maturity that they are not. They are and not then fine. they're going to hurt another dog. Right. And so I know when I was showing Akitas, one of the things that I was very specific about was that we never allowed our dogs to make eye contact with another dog. That was all the provocation an Akita needed. So curious how you feel about that with the Jindo. Generally, most Jindos, not all, there are Jindos that will be triggered by that. Mm-hmm. Most Jindos will attempt to avoid that kind of situation if they can. They won't make eye contact. They're not looking to be aggressive towards another dog. They're not looking for that. Mm-hmm. If another dog gets in their space, they will go there and they'll go there without warning. Okay. But they're not walking around the show ring looking to mix it up with the other dogs. 
It makes them easier than something like an Akita. Mm -hmm. That said, once they're on, they're absolutely as on as an Akita will be. Mm -hmm. They're just not as big a dog. Mm -hmm. We take them to dog shows. We walk them two or three feet from another dog. We've had Jindo picnics, and it's hysterically funny because we do pictures of 20 people with 20 Jindos, and everybody is three or four feet apart. (laughs) You stand over there. Let's get the social distancing. I think Jindos are perfect for social distancing. Jindos have been social distancing long before it was a thing. (laughs) That is hysterical. Okay, so Hannah, let's talk about it from your perspective as a junior handler. You're going into this with a dog that you know this is a reality. What are some of the things that you're thinking about when you're in the ring or when you're practicing to go into the ring with your Jindo? Honestly, you know, it wasn't as difficult as I thought it would be. Like (laughs) with the reputation, I was sort of expecting that I would like have to like be super tight, like watching her like 24-7, which I still have to watch her, you know, and keep like a tight grip. But she's not looking for trouble. Maybe like some other dogs, they would just stare them down, go lunging at other dogs, you know, but I have not found that with her at all. You know, she'll just sit quietly with me. If a dog comes and like starts fixating on her, you know, I have to like do something, you know, but it's really not as stressful as I thought it would be. Yeah. Good. And so talk a little bit about grooming. I mean, from appearances, they appear that they're going to be groomed much like you would a Shiba, an Akita, any other spitz breed. They drop their coat twice a year. Is that what I'm hearing? Absolutely. They're your standard double-coated breed. They blow their coat twice a year. So twice a year, they make snow all over your house. We just had Sheba puppies. It was really not puppies. It was really just another Sheba worth of hair, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. You wear a black shirt and you end up with white dog hair all over yourself. (laughs) They're very low maintenance otherwise. From a showing perspective, we are adamant that this is a natural breed. No trimming, leave the whiskers on, no product. This is a breed. They are brushed, washed, blown dry. Just before you go in the ring, you spritz them and you brush the coat up, and that's it. And we are adamant that it needs to stay that way. This is not a breed that needs anything extra beyond that. Excellent. And to live with them as owners, I know my Shiba is cat-like. I mean, he will bury his poop. The Akitas were very much the same way. Are Jindos in that same category? Absolutely. They go out to the far end of the yard to use the restroom. When we have puppies, the instant the puppies can get out of the whelping box, they leave the whelping box to go to the bathroom. The instant they can go out the dog door, they leave the house to go to the restroom. I can put down a piece of artificial turf in the living room and they will, at four weeks old, all toddle themselves over to that to go to the bathroom. They are the easiest dogs in the world to housebreak. They will lick their paws and wash their face like a cat. Yes. They have almost no odor to them. They're just clean and easy and polite to have as companions. Polite. I think polite's a great description of the breed. It's one of my favorite descriptions of the breed. Now, when there's reason not to be polite, (laughs) (laughs) then they will make that decision. But up until that moment, they are just very polite dogs. They're not looking for trouble in the house. They're these wonderful companions that aren't clingy and needy. They don't hover, but they want to be in the same space as you so they can kind of watch over you. In the house, they have an off switch. They are calm. They are 
easygoing, depending on your house rules. My house, the dogs are allowed on the couch whenever they want. But in other people's houses, their jindos will ask for permission to get up on the couch. They will wait until they're given permission. You can set your lunch down, and unless you set it on the floor in front of them, your jindos is going to respect that that's your food versus my Malamutes that will kill you. Get out the door. <laughs> there went my sandwich. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I didn't get it in my mouth quick enough. There it went. Jindos would never do that. Jindos, frequently they won't take food if it's not their owner that's giving it to them. They act like you're trying to poison them. Mm-hmm. At Meet the Breeds events, we have people, oh, can we give the dog a cookie? And I'll say, well, here's a cookie. You can see if she'll take it. And the dogs sit there going, no, you're trying to poison us. I'm sure you are. Mm-hmm. They just are so easy. And yet when I take my dogs out and I have a property and part of the Jindos role in my household is to kill the ground squirrels. I've got livestock. Ground squirrels are a menace. Mm-hmm. The Jindo's job is to take care of the problem. These are high energy, hardcore working dogs. They really are. Please, everybody, ignore the fact that AKC has put them in the non-sporting group. As soon as we have the ability, we will change that. These are hardcore working dogs. Interesting. These dogs have an energy level. I mean, they lure course almost like a sight hound. They will go to ground like a terrier. They are just this all-around hunting dog. They will patrol your property looking for problems. Bring them in the house. They have an off switch. (laughs) I love that about the breed. Yeah, that is absolutely fabulous. So if owners come to you, who are you going to say this is not the breed for you? Anybody expecting a dog park dog. Mm -hmm. Anybody expecting a dog that is going to stop and visit with other dogs as you're walking down the street. Anybody with the expectation that they're going to take the dog to their kid's soccer match and let it out of the car off-leash, the off-leash thing is a big thing with this breed because, again, independent thinkers. Jindos will always come home, but they may chase a deer 20 miles before they turn around and come home. They may chase that squirrel across the street and get hit by a car before they have the opportunity to come home. Jindos are phenomenal dogs for tracking their way back home. It is a breed characteristic. The story that Hannah told. Yeah. Yes. And that story does not predate that characteristic of the breed. The breed has been known to be able to find their way home. It's part of the breed's history. And that story just confirms it. Mm-hmm. That specific story happened twice. <laughs> so. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And that story is very famous in Korea. Okay. So. Quick question then, as we're kind of looking at this whole ballpark picture, let's talk a little bit about the preservation aspect of it. So how many gendo are there? And you were talking a little bit before we came on air about the fact that many of these dogs we see perhaps questionable rescues bringing in from Asia are being called gendos and maybe they are not and some of those topics. Can we kind of touch on that so people have an understanding of where this is sort of in a global perspective. Absolutely. In Korea, the breed developed on Jindo Island. Over time, some dogs were sold to fanciers off the island. And so there's a population of dogs bred on Jindo Island. And there's a population of dogs bred on mainland South Korea. But there is this myth that the breed cannot be taken off of Jindo Island and that any Jindo originating off of Jindo Island is not actually a Jindo. That is 
a myth. It is not correct. Jindos are considered a national treasure, and there is some legalities involved with taking dogs off of Jindo Island. But it happens relatively frequently, and we know a number of people that have done it. But it does make for two populations of Jindos. It's actually not the Jindos on Jindo Island that are FCI registered. It's the Jindos that are on mainland Korea that are FCI registered. And then there's also the population of village dogs in Korea. This is the natural population of dogs that have existed in Korea for thousands of years. Jindos developed as an isolated population of those dogs. However, all Jindos are village dogs, but not all village dogs are Jindos. And that's an important differentiation to make. There are quite a few Jindos in Korea, registered Jindos, Jindos on Jindo Island. I don't actually have any idea of, of hard numbers, but the breed is not endangered in Korea. Okay. That said, in the U.S., we currently have about 35 registered Jindos, and that's oh, it. Wow. We have, I think, three viable breeding females at this point in time. We desperately need people that would like to own intact dogs, own import dogs, even if they don't want to be involved in the fancy, if we could just find people that are guardian homes, that would be awesome because that's one of our primary challenges right now. Mm-hmm. That said, there's this whole population of dogs in Korea that looks something like Jindos. Now, you can't touch on dogs in Korea and Jindos without touching on the fact that, yes, dogs are eaten in Korea. Jindos have never traditionally been eaten in Korea. They've certainly never been bred to be eaten. And there actually was a particular kind of dog that was bred for that traditionally. Nowadays, it's more likely to be any stray dog that the meat market gets a hold of. The eating of dogs in Korea is not something that's common. It is something that has become less and less common just in the years I've been involved. It's really been blown up, you know. Nowadays, literally no one does it. You know, you always hear it in the news, that media of like dogs being abused. And in the past, traditionally, it really wasn't like that. You know, the dogs were treated like livestock. You know, it was just a traditional thing because of hard war times. But now people here are thinking that people are just doing that to abuse them or something. And, you know, like Nicole said, Jindos were never bred for meat at all. But now it's kind of different. Even though meat eating is not nearly as common as it used to be, if they can get their hands on a jindo, I mean, yeah. But what's ending up happening now is there are a lot of dogs in Korea, the village dogs that have been just your population of dogs living and breeding loose in Korea for thousands of years. Dogs that at one point were bred for meat and now are for some reason either rescued from the meat market or just found in Korea without owners. There's a trend right now of people importing these dogs into the U.S. as pets and saving them. Generally, awful lot of people think they're saving them from the meat market. That's less and less the case. A lot of these dogs are just dogs without owners that need homes. But if they look more or less gender-like, if they've got prick ears, curly tails, double coat, they get labeled as a jindo or a jindo mix. And the vast majority of them actually have very little jindo in them. Their behavior is a little different than the jindos. Any dogs that are bred for meat are not going to have the same-sex dog aggressiveness that jindos have. A lot of the 
village dogs have a little easier temperament. They actually make an easier companion to own. They don't have the high-end hunting drive generally that Jindos do. So they're different, but they're labeled Jindos. And so we have a lot of people coming to us wanting a Jindo because they met a Jindo that their neighbor has. Of course, their neighbor's dog is actually a village dog. And that Jindo is wonderful with people and goes to the dog park all the time. And they take it off leash hiking and they want a Jindo just like that. It's probably one of our biggest challenges with the breed because all those dogs, and there's thousands of them that have been imported and labeled as Jindos, far more than there are actually purebred Jindos in this country. Mm -hmm. And people think that's what a Jindo is. And it's something we have been, particularly the last five or six years, just having to spend enormous time saying to people, yeah, but you didn't actually meet a Jindo. And that's not actually how Jindos act. It's one of our biggest challenges. Mm -hmm. And when you go to the Jindo groups online, 98% of the people on those groups do not own Jindos. Well, here we have a way to present some actual factual information. Thanks to Hannah's efforts. So that is amazing. I am so grateful to both of you for your time. Last parting word, Hannah, and then Nicole, that you would like to say about your amazing breed. I know that they're not your golden retriever. They're not a breed for everyone. They're not in the specific climate that would appeal to like a family or most people that are used to having a dog, but I would say that there is such a beauty to them, and I think there are people out there that would appreciate them and would like to, you know, maybe help preserve the breed, even if not doing any breeding work or showing work, just like Nicole said, keeping the dogs intact so they can be used for breeding, it would go a long way. And I have hope for the future (laughs) with the breed. So, yeah. (laughs) I love that. Okay, Nicole. I'm very good at emphasizing the bad points of the breed, unfortunately. But it's the bad points of the breed that land an awful lot of dogs in hot water. Again, they're not the easiest breed in the world to own. That said, 23 years ago, I went down a rabbit hole that I will never regret. They are an incredible breed. They're beautiful dogs. They fit into a category of, you know, they're a 35 to 45 pound dog. They're really nice size. They've got these wonderful, polite, gentle, sweet temperaments until they need to not be sweet and gentle, in which case I have never feared going anywhere with my little 35-pound <laughs> jindos because if somebody behaved inappropriately towards me, my jindos would not bark or growl at them. They would take care of the problem. And yet it's not a dog that I have to go through life worried that they're going to go there. Right. They really are this neat breed that's a little different than all the Japanese breeds. They look very similar to the medium-sized Japanese breeds, but they've got a little more reserved, quiet, polite temperament. And they're just this wonderful breed and beautiful. I mean, anybody that likes the spitzy-looking breeds, they are gorgeous. They have gorgeous heads. Let's talk really, really quickly. We're a little bit out of time here. Talk a little bit about Comparing them to the Japanese breeds, that's a really great point. These are not Kishu. These are not some of the other Japanese breeds that are sort of between Akita and Shiba. That's correct. And they're closely related to the Japanese breeds. 
dogs went through Korea to get to Japan. So they all come out of the same basic dog. But probably the biggest difference is the Japanese breeds are all samurai. They have this seriousness towards life. And they will step forward. Do I need to take care of a problem? Is there something I need to handle? Whereas a jindo will step back and think about things and make decisions and will think before they act. Also, from a looks perspective, Japanese breeds are all hard lines and a certain amount of sternness. Yes. Jindos are all soft curves and a very soft expression. And it's probably the biggest difference between just from a physical look standpoint, the two breeds. And it's one of those things, if you look at Korean art versus Japanese art, you'll see exactly the same trends. You can see in the eye. Yes. Yeah. The eyes. Absolutely. The triangle eyes. That. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's beautiful. And it's one of the, in my opinion, beauties of purebred dogs is they are their culture. They are living artwork of the cultures from which they come. So that's absolutely true. I appreciate you ladies so very much. Thank you incredibly for your time. And I know that I will be able to beg and plead to get photos of your dogs so that I can share them with my listeners. Absolutely. Excellent. All right, crew. Like the NPR of dogdom, Pure Dog Talk is here for you. To make sense out of everyday things. To add nuance to your understanding and tools to your tech box. To bring history to life and propel the living history of purebred dogs into the future. One of my favorite events over the last year or so has been the virtual After Dark for patrons of the podcast. Anybody can join this amazing community of dog enthusiasts by visiting the website and clicking the Become a Patron link on the homepage. While you're there zooming around on the site, you can check out our shopping tab, too. There's even a Pure Dog Talk swag link. Who knew? Share the love with all our cool gear. Check it all out at www.puredogtalk.com. Your support adds up to a huge voice for purebred dogs. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our Dog Show Superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers Desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk. 